The following podcast contains strong language and adult themes and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Behold, Behold. the annals of pestilence. The stories you're about to hear are not real, though they contain elements of the truth. The tales herein might entertain you, cause you to smile, or perhaps cry, or something else entirely. Because this anthology of narratives, some of them connected, others less so, acts as a door to another realm. You are about to board an interdimensional cruise ship en route to comedy, tragedy, and unspeakable cosmic horror. This one-way journey is powered by existential dread and nervous laughter. Once boarded, there is no turning back. The stories you are about to hear are an infection, a narrative Contagion, the word virus. Season two, punk rock versus the lizard people, the exile. Versus the Lizard People is currently available in its unabridged entirety as a novel by Joshua S. Porter. Order the book today on Amazon.com. This story references songs available on playlists through Apple Music and Spotify by searching Punk Rock versus the Lizard People. Mod Log 11. Tourist. Two days left on Earth. This is a stupid idea. Jade complained. With his head down, he pulled his hat low over his eyes in a lame effort to disguise himself. Would you quit skulking around like a sexual deviant? You look more suspicious than any of us. Emma was getting frustrated. I'm blending in, said Jade, without looking up. Psychological studies show that the average person overlooks a passerby whose face they don't see. For God's sake, Paul sighed. What psychological studies? You read something on NARS and now you're a master of disguise? I know some stuff, Jade fired back. You're about to know about walking into a street lamp if you don't watch where you're going, I warned, putting a hand out to keep him from colliding with the nearest pole. I saw it, Jade lied. How the hell did we get talked into this? Barrett asked. Everyone looked at me. What? I asked, sounding defensive. Barrett was the one who went on about trying pizza, and now the alien is some kind of fiend. I'm not a fiend, Isaiah said, whirling around to us and nearly losing his cloak. And don't call me the alien. Ah, crap, dude, Connor groaned, stepping over to rearrange the oversized coat in such a way that Isaiah almost looked vaguely human. Sort of. Look, man, I mean, at least wear the damn disguise correctly. What disguise? Barrett shouted, opening his hands in front of the scene before him as if he couldn't imagine anything more absurd. It's just an alien in a jacket. There's also a hat, Jade offered. This is nothing compared to the work ahead of us, 
Isaiah reminded everyone in an ominous voice and looking ridiculous as Connor fussed with his hood like a mom fixing a little kid's hair. That's not good news, Paul murmured. Isaiah shoved Connor away. How can we hope to save the galaxy if we can't sneak down the street for a slice of pizza? Let us get it for you, Emma pleaded. I've been in secret labs my entire time on Earth. I want to experience an authentic moment of Earth culture at least once before the plan begins. Put him, you know, like in the middle of the group, Paul suggested. There are eight of us. We, we can hide one alien. Just walk, damn it, Connor thundered, waving for us all to head down 23rd Avenue. Robert Smith over here stands out as much as I do. Isaiah argued, nodding at Connor. Yeah, Connor grunted. Hairspray and a lizard face, that's the same. First of all, Isaiah was freakishly tall, and though his posture was mostly humanoid, he seemed to maintain something of a dinosaur hunch. His head was a problem, as it was thoroughly alien. Connor had covered it up with an oversized plaid fedora and then turned up the collar of a baggy trench coat, both items stolen from Connor's parents' closet. The tail was the real problem, as it was just folded awkwardly up into the coat, making Isaiah's already stooped back look grotesque and lumpy. You have got to stop moving your tail, Becky scolded him. Yeah, you look like a wet mogwai, I agreed. A what? Becky asked, as if I'd spoken another language. From Gremlins. I just don't like it when we have to know all the movies just to talk. What are we doing? Barrett groaned again. Walking, I said in a casual sing-song sort of voice. Just walking. In Portland, 23rd Avenue is often active, but on this particular night, it was a madhouse. Blitz, New Wavers, Hessians, Goths, Punks, Yuppies, Preps, and wannabe boho lame wads littered the sidewalks and restaurants. The aspiring Narcons were out as well. You could spot them by the Polaroid cameras slung around their necks like a badge of honor. Nars enthusiasts had long ago conceded the inferiority of traditional film cameras for their incapability of yielding immediate Narsies. With a Polaroid, these Nars-obsessed flemwads could drain several rolls of film in an evening, convert them to digital images with their expensive photo scanners, and update their Nars profiles with more pictures of their own leering, vacuous expression, all in a single evening. They looked like they came off an assembly line, these jack-offs with their all-but-matching outfits, haircuts, and identical Polaroid land cameras. It's like someone may have been slightly original at one point, but all we had left were copies of copies of copies. Dude, Jade said, quietly as we walked. I doubt anyone will pay any attention to us after all. There are too many people out here. And the Narcons seem to have their attention devoted elsewhere. I observed, nodding across the street where three different teenagers were posing behind their own outstretched arms, taking pictures of themselves, the flashes from their Polaroids lighting the street like a Hollywood premiere. Ah, oh, for the love of... Barrett groaned. A fan of photography and a talented photographer himself, Barrett was often more perturbed by the NARS crowd than any of us. Put the cameras down. Let them take their freaking Nazis, Jade hissed through his teeth. That's fewer people worried about us walking an alien down 23rd. We could hear the music booming from inside Escape from New York Pizza long before we made it to the door. 
post-punkers and goth kids staffed this infamous dive, and you could hardly hear yourself think over all the Bauhaus and alien sex fiend. Listen, I yelled over the growling vocals blasting inside. Everyone be casual, be quick with your orders, and don't act nervous or panicked. Becky made a sort of squeaking sound. What was that? I asked. It's sort of exciting, isn't it? She whispered, suddenly smiling. We're like on a secret mission. Operation Get an Alien Pizza, Barrett sighed, rolling his eyes. Oh, well, I'm so sorry it's not a bank heist or a high-speed chase, Becky said sarcastically. Just go in and get the damn pizza, Connor said in a frantic voice. It doesn't really feel like an authentic Earth experience when it's so hasty, Isaiah complained. You're lucky we're doing this at all, Emma said, sounding very stern. This whole big plan of yours to save the world could fall through in a few minutes if you get spotted eating pizza on the sidewalk by a bunch of narcons. Look, I yelled, just go in and get the pizza and let's get back outside. We can walk while we eat. We do that every time anyway. With that, the eight of us shuffled into the tiny cramped restaurant and lined up at the counter. Isaiah and I stood in line behind Emma and Jade, who was still attempting to hide beneath the bill of his hat, and I leaned over to Isaiah, standing on my toes to be able to whisper into where I assumed his ear must be, Just say, one slice of cheese, please. That's all you have to do. Got it? What if I don't want cheese? Do you not want cheese? No, I want cheese. You do want cheese. I want cheese. What the hell is wrong with you? from behind the counter. What'll it be? Isaiah, head down and concealed by the ridiculous-looking fedora, I want cheese. Easy, detective, the goth kid behind the counter sneered. He was talking to me, I fake laughed, sounding audibly nervous and getting even more nervous hearing myself sound nervous. What? the goth kid asked. I just mean he was being short with me, not you. Do you want pizza or not? Cheese, Isaiah said, sounding suddenly casual. The goth kid paused, furrowed his brow, stared at the big hat with the thick accent, then at me. I smiled like an idiot. The goth kid shook his head and moved a slice of cheese pizza into the oven. We moved down the line. Emma and Jade had shuffled awkwardly outside with their slices when I approached the register, five-dollar bill already extended to the clerk. Two slices! I yelled just as the song on the stereo came to an end and the word slices rang out through the temporarily silent restaurant. Two slices, I repeated quietly, as if this somehow erased the previous moment. The clerk eyed me before the music started up again, then silently snatched the bill from my hand. Isaiah and I moved through the crowd and joined the others on the sidewalk outside. Is saving the world going to be that nerve-wracking? Jade giggled, a contagious laugh spreading throughout the group. Much worse, Isaiah said, his mouth already full of pizza. And we could die. The thought seized everyone. We stared off unhappily into space. Yeah, Paul shrugged. There's that, I guess. It was Connor who snapped me out of contemplating my mortality. Ah, damn it, he hissed. It's Flynn Hardy and Bradley Press. I whirled around in time to see the two of Wesley High's worst narcons moving toward us with a ridiculous strut. The two of them had been mercifully absent from my mind since our last exchange on the day I was suspended. 
The Misfit Breakfast Club is out on the town, Flynn chuckled, shaping his hair with both hands. Hey, Rebecca, Bradley crooned, lifting his Polaroid camera as if it were some impressive artifact. We should get a quick Narzi together. Zero times, Becky grumbled. Did you get my Nars message, Emma? said Flynn, stepping toward her as if the rest of us had vanished. No, Emma said calmly with a shrug. I sent it yesterday, Flynn added. I don't get on Nars every day, Emma said. Seriously? Bradley asked, genuinely shocked. You have like 10,000 Nars connections and you don't even check your account? Flynn joined in, advising her. 10,000 isn't a ton, but it's a decent start. If you put a little more into your NARS profile and the content you generate, you could get some serious traction. Yeah, Bradley agreed. I bet that 10000 is just because you're hot. Build out your brand, and I bet you'd really catch on. My brand? Emma echoed, one eyebrow raised. You're such a dweeb, Hardy, Becky groaned. You could get 100,000 followers with some bikini shots, Bradley said to Becky, winking. Let me know when you need a photographer. Gag me, said Becky. Careful what you wish for, sweetie, Flynn giggled. Becky seemed ready to slap him when he drew our attention to something we'd all forgotten. What's up with Carmen Sandiego over there, Flynn asked, lifting his chin to eye our suspiciously large incognito friend. Get bent, Barrett answered them. You guys better get all the narsies you can before the street lamps shut off. Our Polaroids have flashes, asshole, Flynn fired back. Check it out, Becky. He assumed a stupid little pose, one eye tightly closed, mouth agape as he peered through his camera's viewfinder. Becky shifted her weight to one leg and lifted a middle finger. Real sexy, Bradley said sarcastically and took the picture anyway. The flash was surprisingly bright, and Isaiah finally broke his statuesque illusion as he peered up from under his hat in a panic. The fedora went floating down to the wet sidewalk, and Isaiah stood exposed, looking around the group for some sign of what to do next. We were starting to freak out. Barrett was the only one who kept it together, the tallest of the group. He moved toward Bradley and Flynn, who were visibly intimidated by his sudden approach. Hey, back off, dude, Bradley whined. I can take photos in a public space if I want. You guys have got more important things to worry about than ruining our night. You just wasted one photo on us. That's one less Narzi for your profile. What will those hundred thousand connections do without another photo of your face? You're just jealous, Stevens, Flynn snorted. No one is liking all those tired shots of bridges and evergreen trees. They wouldn't shut up, but they were apparently afraid of Barrett and were slowly moving away from us. Happy to be rid of them, no one chanced another remark. Let me know about those bikini shots. Busty Becky, Bradley called out over his shoulder as he walked away. Oh, not even, Becky fumed. Just let it go, I said. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, Connor grumbled, or you yourself will be just like him. Is that the Bible, Becky said? You're using the Bible against me in this situation? Not against you, for you. Well, someone needs to tell these two geeks, Becky said, raising her voice with every word. 
that no one actually cares about their sad, stupid little staged photos of contrived moments created to market their fabricated lives to strangers who don't give a shit. The two Narcons froze. Here we go, Paul sighed. Becky said shit, Connor whispered. Neither Flynn nor Bradley could let something so accurate go without comment. They both whirled around and began talking over one another. We are changing the world, Rebecca. What do you ever do? Sorry you don't have as many connections as we do. You're just jealous that we live our lives on purpose. I get more comments in an hour than you have on your entire profile. I have followers in a dozen different countries. Do you even know anyone outside of Oregon? And all kinds of asinine posturing. I'm not sure any of us were listening carefully as we all went rigid, just waiting for one of them to finally notice that amongst the group of eight standing in front of them, one of us was clearly an alien. Then, of course, they noticed. People without purpose are always jealous of... Flynn suddenly froze, his eyes wide, locked on Isaiah, and his accusing finger still extended toward Becky. Bradley went on talking beside him. You don't even have a brand. Then he saw it too. Flynn seemed to float toward us, his eyes glazed over with purpose as he sidled up beside Isaiah, extended his camera-wielding arm out in front of himself, and before any of us realized what was happening, he had taken a Narzi of them both. That's probably bad, Connor said. Then, before I could process what had just happened or what should be done about it, Bradley and Flynn both ran off in the other direction and disappeared down the crowded street. We could hear them talking as they went. That's seriously going to be my default picture, dude. Bradley and Flynn vanished into the crowd as we stood there stupidly, the ambiance of the people and music slowly filling the space around us. Well, Paul sighed. I doubt anyone was expecting that to happen. proliferation of the word virus you can support our efforts via patreon.com slash the word virus lure others to infection by sharing the word virus via social media on twitter at the word virus and instagram at spread the word virus and at the word 